I'm going to ask you to stand up just in honor of reading his word this morning. And we're going to be in John chapter 21, verses 15 through 18. You guys ready? All right. And it says, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Father God, use me this morning. Holy Spirit, speak through me to those that are listening right now. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can be seated. Just a little recap here. Many of us know the story of Peter that happened not too long before this conversation took place. Jesus is arrested and he's being tried. And in the midst of that, Peter's sitting out in the courtyard and someone walks up to him and they look at him and they're like, hey, weren't you with him? Weren't you with this Jesus? And he's like, oh no, no, not me. That wasn't me. And then a second time, somebody else comes up to us. I'm pretty sure I recognize you. I'm pretty sure I've seen you with this, this Jesus guy. Second time, he's, no, it wasn't me. And he denies Jesus a second time. And then a third time, he denies Jesus. No, it wasn't me. Don't know who you're talking about. Don't even know the guy. And in fact, we read that he, he was frustrated at this point and he's given oaths and he's promising and he's cursing. He's like, I didn't even know the man. And then at that moment, he hears that dreaded sound, that sound of the rooster crowing. And I think at that point, he remembered the conversation that not long before that, where Jesus said, before that rooster crows three times, you're going to deny me. You're going to deny me three times before that rooster crows. And I can't imagine the shame and the guilt that Peter must have carried with him day after day. I can imagine he probably woke up feeling guilty. This, this person that I love, this person that was my friend, this person that I walked alongside, I saw him, him do miracles. I saw him raise the dead. We went through so much together. And then I allowed fear to grip me and I turned my back on him. Matthew tells us that, that, that he wept bitterly. He must have faced so much shame and guilt every single day. And then here we are in John. And Peter talks, Jesus talks to Peter and he's like, Peter, do you love me? And you know what I love about this is 
Jesus is saying, if you love me, feed my sheep. Jesus is saying, I forgive you, Peter. I forgive you. You know what? I knew you were going to mess up. I told you you were going to mess up. I knew this was going to happen. But you know what? My grace is sufficient for you. And not only is my grace sufficient for you, but I've got plans for you, Peter. I've got plans for you. I've got things that I'm wanting you to do. Great big plans. And this, this whole incident back here, we're putting that in the past. And we're moving forward. And I want to use you, Peter. Do you love me? Do you love me? I love how, how Jesus asked Peter not once, not twice, but he asked him three times. It's almost like he's given him that chance of redemption because I, I can imagine that Peter's like, you know what? I didn't deny Jesus just once. I had a second chance and I, and I didn't deny him just twice. I had a third chance and I didn't deny him. I denied him three times. And it was almost like Jesus asking him three times was giving him the, the chance of redemption for each time that Peter denied him. I love that. What a beautiful picture of forgiveness. But also a picture of how God uses people that mess up. God uses people that make mistakes. And you know what? That gives me hope because I mess up every single day. We all mess up. The Bible says that we've all sinned. The other day, just, just a, a few weeks ago, I had dropped my daughter off at work and I'm coming home and I was probably maybe, maybe a mile from my house. And I'm driving along and it's just one of these days that I was just so distracted. Like I just had so much on my mind. You know, I was in a hurry. I had, I had to jump on a Zoom meeting, you know, and I was just, just trying to get to my destination. Wasn't paying any attention. And there's those blue lights in my rearview mirror. And I'm like, oh, come on. Come on. I've got 15 minutes to jump on this Zoom meeting. I've got to get home. And so I pull over. And of course, he asked for my license and my registration and proof of insurance. And he says, you know, I pulled you over because you were driving 58 and a 40. I'm like, oh, that's reckless driving. I can see it now in the local newspaper headlines. Local campus pastor spends the day in jail for reckless driving through Berkeley Springs. Thankfully, he let me off with a warning, something that I didn't really want to share with everyone. I was embarrassed. I'm not someone that gets pulled over for speeding, you know? Then my daughter gets in the car and she's like, really? Let me see. Where's that piece of paper? Where's that warning piece of paper? And she looks at 58 and a 40 mom. And she's taking pictures of it and sending it to to her siblings. And they're messaging me. You got pulled by a cop. Mom got pulled by a cop. You know, but we all make mistakes. Every single one of us, we all mess up all throughout the Bible. We read about our, our biblical heroes that we learned about. Those of us who grew up in Sunday school, you know what? They weren't perfect. In fact, they were far from perfect. If you think about Adam all the way back in Genesis, I mean, this guy walks with Jesus, uh, with God in the garden, probably every day. I mean, he had this amazing relationship with God and God is like, you can have any of this. You can eat any, any of these trees, any of the fruit from these trees, except for this one over here. And what does he do? He eats from the one tree. 
He disobeys God. Adam messed up. And then he blames his wife. And that's where he really messes up, right? And then you've got Abraham. An angel appears to Abraham. He's like, Abraham, you've been praying for this child. And God is going to answer your prayer. And he's going to give you this child that you've asked for. And then Abraham gets impatient, takes matters into his own hands. Boy, we know what a mess that was, right? And then you've got David. Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. David is an adulterer, right? He takes another man's wife and then he sends the guy out on the battlefield to be murdered. An adulterer and a murderer. And God still used him. God still offered redemption. He still said, you know what? I have a plan for you. Boy, does that bring me hope. If perfection was a requirement to be used by God, that would rule out every person that ever walked the face of this earth other than Jesus himself. Every one of us, because none of us are perfect. I mean, look at John the Baptist, the dude ate bugs. I mean, I can see him now repent and be baptized. And he's got cricket legs like hanging out of his teeth. But God used him in amazing ways. Some of you guys, some of you guys have heard my testimony, but at the age of 14, I was at youth camp and I was kneeling at the altar praying and I clearly heard from God and God said, you're going to use your voice for me. I was so excited. I was like, God just called me to full-time ministry. This is amazing. And I wish that I could stand here and tell you that from that moment on that I ran after God and after the call that he had on my life with all that I had, and I didn't. I didn't. Because within a year, I was hanging out with the wrong people. I was skipping school. I was partying. I was drinking. I was doing drugs and all the stuff that comes along with it. And then at the age of 16, I stood in front of my parents and, and had to tell them that their only daughter that they raised in church is pregnant with her first child. The same girl that had wept at the altar when God said, you're going to use your voice for me, had messed up big time, big time. But it was at that moment that I'm like, you know what? You know what? God, God gives chances. God forgives. And I had decided I'm going to turn my life around. I'm going to give it back over to God and I'm going to allow him to use me. And I'm standing here today as a testimony that God uses people that mess up. God uses people that makes mistakes. You may be sitting here and say, yeah, but you have no idea what my past looks like. And I'm going to tell you, I don't, but God does. And people that have some of the worst paths have some of the best testimonies and make some of the biggest differences in this world. God wants to use you. He is offering forgiveness to you. And if you are willing, he will use you in mighty ways. I want you guys to repeat this after me. Jesus forgives and he still has a plan for my life. Verse 15 and 17, we're reading that where, where Jesus says, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep. 
Here, Peter has a call to take care of these people in Jerusalem. And what I want to point out about Peter's call is that it's not the same as the rest of the apostles' call. His call wasn't the same as Paul's call and the call that he had on his life to travel around and evangelize. And the reason I point this out is because everyone in this room has a different calling. Everyone in this room has somebody in your life that you're supposed to affect for the kingdom of God. When I say call, a lot of times we want to picture somebody who's a preacher, who's an evangelist, who's a missionary. And I want to tell you that we are all called to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Every single one of us, right where we're at, God wants us to use us to share his message. No matter where you're at, if you're a business owner, if you're a cashier at McDonald's, if you're a stay-at-home mom, let me tell you what, there is no greater honor than, than to sit around your dinner table and lead your children to Jesus Christ. You have a call on your life, and God has placed people in your life, in your sphere of influence every day that he is wanting you to, to affect for the kingdom of God that he's wanting you to pour into, that he's wanting you to love, that he's wanting you to share his love with. We are all called. And all we have to do is be willing to allow God to use what he's already given us because we serve a creative God. We serve a creative God. We can't sit and compare ourselves and the gifts and abilities and the opportunities and the resources that we have with somebody else and say, you know what? I don't have what they have, so I can't affect the kingdom of God like they have. That's nothing but a lie. God has called you. He has placed things inside of you to reach people that that other person may not be able to reach. You have life experiences that may be similar to this person's life experiences where they're going to, you're going to have their ear. If all you would do is be willing. Look at how God creatively used people all throughout the Bible. You've got people that built huge boats. You've got people that that marched around walls seven days, seven times. People that fought giants with slingshots. People that called fire down from heaven. A blind man stands in front of Jesus and he reaches down and picks up some dirt and spits in it. And makes some mud and rubs it in their eyes. And I'm kind of hoping he never asked me to do that. I really am. But this, these are just, just a few of the instances where God has used people in creative and mighty ways to affect the world around them. Don't put God in a box. If you're saying that, that God can't use you, then you're putting him in a box. Our God is bigger than that. He wants to use you in a mighty way. Look at the person at your right side. Their call is different than yours. It's not going to look the same as yours. Look at the person on your left side. Their call is different than yours. It's not going to look the same. But every single one of us are called to share the love of Jesus Christ. Has anyone here ever prayed, Lord Jesus, this is a messed up world. Will you please do something? Jesus, will you please do something? And he's like, I have. I've called you. I've called you. I've done what I was going to do. I came and I walked this earth and I gave an example and I healed and I delivered and I set free and I went to the cross and I made a way. Now it's your turn 
I'm passing on the baton. Take my example and run with it. Tag your it. You know, Jesus, when he was here, he had more than one priority. And this is how I know that. Because we read that, that after Jesus, after he was resurrected, he rose from the dead, he didn't just leave. He stuck around. For another 40 days, Jesus stuck around. And the Bible tells us that during that 40 days, he loved people. It tells us that during that 40 days when he would show up, he was sharing about the kingdom of God. He set an example for us. This is my heart. People are my heart. Go and do this. Take what I have shown you. Take my example and run with it. Affect the world around you. You know, the thing is, we don't have to go out of our way to fulfill this call in our lives because there are people that are hurting. There are people that are desperate all around us, people that we come in contact with every day. Pastor Chris was talking about this just a couple weeks ago, about how people that are desperate, they look to things of this world that don't offer fulfillment, whether it's drugs or alcohol, gambling, pornography, whatever it is, social media even. They try to drown, drown themselves in, in the things of this world and look for answers and they come back empty. Because you know what? It's like we're a puzzle. It's like, you know, when you're putting a puzzle together and you get down to that last piece and you're all excited, like, oh, you know what? I've been working on this so hard and it's almost complete, but there's just one piece missing. And then you're looking and you can't find it. And you're looking everywhere and you're looking under the table and under the chairs and in the dog's mouth. And you're just looking everywhere for this puzzle piece frantically, desperately. I just want to finish this puzzle because I have to get it done. It's going to drive me crazy because it's not complete. And there are people in this world that are walking around with that hole there. That hole that only Jesus is meant to fill. And it's like they're, they're walking around desperately looking like they're taking these other pieces and they're turning them and they're twisting them and they're trying to make them fit in this hole. And they don't fit because there's only one thing that fits and that's Jesus Christ. And then you and I are walking around. You know what? We have the puzzle piece. We have the answer. We've been given the answer. And sometimes we'll tuck it away and we'll put it in our pockets instead of going around and saying, you know what? I see your desperation, but it's not found in alcohol. It's right here. I see your desperation, but it's not found in drugs. This is the answer right here. It's Jesus Christ. You and I, we walk around every day of our lives carrying around this puzzle piece and we walk by people who are desperate to have that piece to their puzzle. They're desperate. And it's our call. It's our call. Jesus says, do you love me? Will you walk in what I have called you to do? Will you fulfill the mission that I have given you? So our daughter Trinity, when she was little, she used to play this online game called Roblox. Anybody here have kids that ever played Roblox? So it's like they call it a free roam game. So it means, you know, there's not a real purpose of the game. They just kind of play and build things and build buildings and the kids can talk to each other online. So I'll never forget the day that, that I found out that Trinity 
was sharing Jesus on this game, Roblox. So she would go in and she would build this building in this, in this game. And then she would walk around and she would invite her little online friends. Hey, come to this building at this time and we're going to talk. And she would take that opportunity to share Jesus with her friends. And it blew me away. I'm like, that's brilliant. It's brilliant. God can use you right where you're at. Right where you go every single day. We don't have to go out of our ways to to find somebody to minister to. To fulfill the call that God has on our life. You know, we've all heard that actions speak louder than words. Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? And Peter responds in words and says, you know that I love you. And then Jesus counters Peter's words and says, then feed my sheep. It's a call to action. Do we love him? Are we going to walk in that? So I, I um, listened to this podcast by Pastor Craig Groeschel for leaders. And at the beginning of the year, he had a, a certain podcast and he said, you know what? I want you to fill in this blank. This year, I want to be a leader who blank. And so I put some thought into it. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm really going to think about this. What, what kind of leader do I want to be? And I was like, you know what? I want to be a leader that loves. I want to be a leader that loves people. And you know, that might sound simple, but honestly, it's not. Because the more we walk around this world, the more people we encounter, the more that we're hurt, the more that we're let down, the more that we're angered, the more that we're offended, the harder it is to love people, the more it is to just form this bubble around ourselves and just do our own thing day by day with our head down, ignoring everybody around us and the call that God has in our lives. It's kind of like if I were to wear a shoe without socks and that shoe just begins to rub away at my foot over and over and over again, my foot's going to create a callus. And so a callus is, is like a hard piece of skin that your body creates to protect the soft layer underneath. So we walk around and we become offended and we become hurt. And it's like, like we build up this callus towards people. And we lose that love and that compassion that Jesus wants us to walk in every day. You know, the best part about this is that not only are we forgiven, not only are we all called, but we don't have to do it on our own. We don't have to do it in our own strength. In Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 9, we read, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John the Baptist had come together, and they asked him, I'm sorry, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? 
And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, they looked on and he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. You know, it comes down, it comes down to love. I had asked God, I said, you know what? I want to be a leader that loves. And a few weeks ago, I'm, I'm driving probably about a couple miles from our house. And I drive by this home and, and I see there's, there's this family and they're out on the deck, out on the porch in the front of their house. And I can see there's this little boy laying there and he's not wearing anything but a diaper and, and an older lady is, is like leaning over top of him and the dad is sitting there. He's kind of frantically raising his arms. And normally I think I would kind of drive by. My parents had just come in town. I wasn't really comfortable just stopping at someone's house I didn't know. But something inside of me said, you got to stop. Like I just had to stop. I had to stop and I had to pray. I just knew I had to pray for this family. So I'll pull up in their, in their uh, driveway and I rolled down my windows and I said, is everything okay? And the dad's like, no, my son just had a seizure. We've called 911. We just don't know what to do. And I said, is it all right if I come up there? And he says, yeah. And so I'll walk up to the porch and immediately my heart just, my heart just went out to this family and I just wanted to scoop up this little boy. I'm thinking, you know, he looked about the age of one of my grandbabies and I just wanted to scoop him up. And I just wanted to just start speaking God's word over him and praying really hard and rebuking the enemy. I'm like, if I do that, these people are going to kick me out. They're going to think I'm crazy. So I just said, can I pray for him? And he said, absolutely. So I walk over and I just put my hands on him. I just start praying over him. Whatever I could think of, whatever came to my heart, I just just prayed over him and I just started to thank Jesus. God, heal this baby. Thank you for healing this baby. And after a little bit, I just kind of encouraged them. And I said, you know what? I'm going to leave because I don't want to be in the way of the, the medical team when they get here. And I left there and that little boy just weighed on my heart so much. I just kept thinking about him all afternoon and had my family praying for him. And I was like, God, you know, I, I just feel like everything's going to be okay. But can you just confirm with me that he's okay? And so the next day I drive by the house was right about the same time I drive by there and the family is out in the, in the yard and, and I pull up and there's, there's little Colton. That was a little boy's name. And he runs around the yard and I said, Oh, Colton's okay. And grandma's like, yes, Colton had double ear infection and a really high fever, which is why he had the seizure. But thank you so much for stopping to pray. And Sharing this with my husband, he's like, you know what? Let's get this kid an Easter basket. So we went out, we bought a big Easter basket and filled it full of a bunch of goodies and took it out to the family. There was about 10 of them sitting out there and they were blown away that we did this. It's about love. It's all about love. And we learn here in Acts that the power that we have inside of us to love, even when we don't feel like loving, comes from the Holy Spirit. Verse four, he said, Jesus told him, he said, wait, wait for the promise. 
They had gotten the call, but he's wanting them to wait. This is showing us that having the Holy Spirit is essential to the advance of the gospel. And then we read in verse 6 that the disciples are asking, Jesus, when is the kingdom going to be restored to Israel? And he kind of turns this around. He's like, you know what? Give that to God. Allow God to focus. I don't want your focus to be on that. I want your focus to be just waiting here for this promise, for this helper that I'm sending. And I want your focus to then be to walk in the call that I have for you. You know, we need to become careful that we don't, we don't focus so much on the things of this world that have no eternal value that we completely overlook the things that do. That we overlook the people that do. You know, they, they were super focused at this point on politics, on what was going on in, in, in the government. What, you know, we, we can do the same. And I'm going to be honest with you. There's going to be a day when the trumpet sounds and Jesus shows up and he shows up through the clouds. It's not going to matter who is president, whether it's Joe Biden or Donald Trump, Justin Bieber. It's really not going to matter at that point. But a lot of times we can become so focused. And it's not that these things aren't important. But there's some things we just need to give to God. And then focus on what God's called us to do. And he's telling I want you to wait. And I want you to go and walk in the calling that I have for you. John 15, 26 says, but when the helper comes, who I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father, he will bear witness about me. Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as the helper. Now I can see these men, they're, they're up in the, in the upper room and they're waiting for this helper. Now I'm not quite sure what they were expecting. My kind of helper, if somebody goes and tells me to wait in my house for a helper, it's going to be a lady show up at my front door carrying a mop in one hand and a vacuum cleaner in the other saying, point me to the mess. That's my kind of helper. Not sure what they were expecting. But I can guarantee you it blew their minds that their minds could have never wrapped around when the Holy Spirit showed up in that room that day. And he brought his gifts with them and he fills them and he empowers them and they begin to speak in other tongues. And then there's people there that are witnessing all of this happen. And they're like, these guys, these people are drunk. They are drunk out of their minds. And Peter speaks up. He's like, these guys aren't drunk. It's still early. But let me remind you of what Joel prophesied. And then he goes on and preaches this long sermon He preaches it in boldness and he preaches it in authority and he preaches it in the power that he had just received from the Holy Spirit and 3,000 people come to know Jesus Christ that day. This is the same man, the same man that not too long ago had allowed his fear for his own life to cause him to deny even knowing Jesus And now he's standing here boldly pronouncing the love of Jesus and people are being changed. 3,000 people. Ephesians 3.16 says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. And then in Romans 8, 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells inside of you, 
He will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. His spirit dwells inside you, inside me. This same spirit, when Jesus had been dead for three days, that shows up in that tomb and breathes life into his nostrils. And his cells begin to to waken and his heart begins to beat and his fingers begin to twitch and he opens his eyes and the Holy Spirit says, dude, we're busting out of here. You've done what you came to do. We are busting out of here. That same spirit lives inside of us and it's there. He is there to empower us to walk in the call in all that God has called us to do to make a difference in this world. You know what's what we need to grasp about this is that it's not always easy. It's not always easy. I read about something called hysterical strength. Some of you guys may have heard about this. Where people in difficult, desperate, life-threatening situations can do crazy things. Like lifting cars off of people. A mom fighting off a polar bear who has attacked her kids. Just crazy strength. Because what happens is when we're in those life and death situations, adrenaline kicks in. Adrenaline kicks in. And adrenaline affects our muscle twitch. And it affects our endurance. And so God created our bodies so that we're in these, in these difficult, desperate situations that we could tap into this inner, inner strength, this inner power to help us escape those situations safely. And it's the same thing for our spirit man. He knew that the call wasn't going to be easy. It's not always easy to share the gospel of Christ. But he gave us the Holy Spirit so that in difficult times, in desperate times, We're like, you know what? I don't have to do this on my own because I can tap into this inner strength. I can tap in to the Holy Spirit, to the helper that God has given me. This empowerment of the Holy Spirit is a gift to us. It is not meant to be tucked away. In John 7, 37, Jesus says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive for as yet the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit is like a river of living water. A river flows. A river is teemed with life. It has oxygen. It has, has animals. It has fish. It's always moving. The Holy Spirit was not given to us to tuck away and to become a puddle in our life, to become stagnant and to just sit there and never be used. The Holy Spirit has been given to us to flow out of our lives and into the lives of those around us. So that we can affect those for the gospel, affect those for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> I'm going to invite the band up here. You know, a lot of times, even a river, even strong rivers, can become can become clogged with debris. 
Storms can come and it can blow branches down and it can blow trees down. And it can stop the flow of that river. And a lot of times, you know, we come to know Christ and we're excited and we're walking in that call that he has in our lives. And then the storms of life come and debris is beginning to stop up the flow of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Today's God's wanting to remove that out of your life. If that's you, God's wanting to remove that out of your life. He wants you to walk in all that he's called for you. All that he has for you. He wants you to walk in that. A few years ago, I heard a story from a pastor, and I'm not sure his name. I I wish I knew his name. But he tells this story. He says, imagine, imagine what it's going to be like when you finally make it to heaven. And you're standing there, and you see this table in front of you. This long table that goes on as far as you can see. And there's food on there as far as you can see. Best looking food you've ever seen. And you say, you know what? This is the marriage supper of the lamb that I've heard all about. And then the angels are coming and and they're taking people to their seats. And an angel comes over to you and and he takes you to your seat and shows you where you're going to be sitting. And you look around you and everybody's sitting around you are people that chose Christ. Christians from all over the world. And you look across from you and there's a little girl sitting there. And you say, hi, what's your name? And she says, Rebecca. You're like, hi, Rebecca, where are you from? And she says, Rome. Wow, you're from Rome. Okay, well, you know, you just seem so young. Would you mind just sharing with me for a few minutes how you got here? And she says, well, she says, we had a really hard life. We went through some really tough, tough things. She says, when I was only eight years old, some soldiers came to our house. And they took my family to this arena. And they took my daddy to the middle of that arena. And I had to sit there and I had to watch as lions ate my daddy that day. They killed my daddy because he loved Jesus. I never cried as much as I did that day. And then two days later, the same soldiers, they came back and they took me and they took my brother to that same arena. And we stood there all alone except for the people that were cheering and yelling. And I look over and there's these doors that open up and these huge lions step out into the arena with us. I'd never been so frightened in all of my life. And they had told me that if I would just deny Jesus, that they would let me live. And she says, but I couldn't do that. Jesus was my everything. He was my very reason for living. And I died that day. And the angels came and they ushered me into heaven. And here I am getting ready to eat this meal. Isn't this so special? And then she looks up at you and she says, and how about you? 
What's your story? And I don't know about you guys, but I want to have a story. I don't want to be able to sit there and look that little girl in her eyes who gave her very life for Jesus and say, you know what? I was too busy. I just went to work and came home. I spent my evenings on social media. I want to have a story. I want to have a story of how, how I went to work and I was able to pray with a coworker over lunch who had a marriage that was failing. How I was able to share the gospel message of Jesus with my children. I want to have a story. I want to be able to say that I walked in all that God had for me. That every plan he had for me, that I didn't necessarily live a long life, but I lived a full life for Jesus. There's an American missionary. His name was Nate Saint. He was with Jim Elliott when they were martyred in Ecuador in the 1950s. And he was quoted to say this, people who do not know the Lord ask, why in the world we waste our lives as missionaries? They forget that they too are expending their lives. And when the bubble has burst, they will have nothing of eternal significance to show for the years that they have wasted. What are we spending our lives for? What are we pouring our lives out for? Are we fulfilling the purposes that God has called us to? Are we walking in all that he has asked us to walk in? Are we allowing that Holy Spirit to flow out through us and into the lives of the people around us? We just sang this song, Fresh Fire. I'm going to ask you this morning, what are you burning for? What are you burning for? Stand up with me. I want to pray over you this morning. Father God, we thank you, Jesus, that you are a God who forgives, a God that gives more chances, a God that that still wants to use us despite our mistakes, that you have called us, Lord God, that you have plans for us, Lord, and that you want us to walk in all that you have for us, God. Spark that fire inside of us today, Lord Jesus, that we would run after you with all that we have, that we would step into heaven one day and we would have a story, Lord God, of how we walked in all that you had for us, of how we allowed you to use us in mighty ways, of how we affected people that we came in contact with, people that were hurting, people that were desperate. We thank you, Lord God. Today we choose, Lord God, to walk in your plan, in your calling. In Jesus' name.